0: Welcome to week number four in our four cup series and we're moving right along through this series next week is going to be the conclusion of this series and and so I want to do a quick little review of where we've been not go too deep in uh, what we've covered the past three weeks uh, but you can check those out online all those messages those videos are online uh, if you missed any of those and it'll catch you right up to speed uh, with where we really are we started out where the first time these four promises that we're referring to as four cups are ever mentioned in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. And this is really the story of the Passover. We talked about this on Good Friday uh, in terms of Jesus is our Passover lamb. That's kind of, I guess, in a part, and it's a part of the series really when you think about it. And in Exodus chapter 6, God instructs the Israelites, the the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, he's going to deliver them out of the land of Egypt, and, and he makes four promises to them. And these four promises are found in the Passover meal, and they're also reiterated the first time in Exodus 6, and then they're Restated over and over and over again all throughout the New Testament, as we're going to see a lot tonight, especially. And, and so these are these four promises, the four cups, the four cores, as we've been referring the, to them as in Exodus chapter six, verses six and seven. And we'll just uh, look at those, those again. Uh, here it says, "Therefore say to the Israelites, "I am the Lord and I will bring you out." That's the first promise that He made. And it's not just to the Hebrew people, it's to every, all mankind. This is what God wants to do in our lives, keep these four promises to each and every one of us. I'll bring you out, and then he goes, from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I'll free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you. That's where we're going to be tonight, this third promise, I will redeem you with, and it's pretty interesting, this is the one promise where he says, this is the way I'm going to do it. This is the way I'm going to redeem you, and this is what we're going to talk about here tonight because it it takes a little thinking to look at what else the scripture says on how he says he's going to do this. He says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, that's the first thing, and with mighty acts of judgment, with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. What is he talking about? I'm glad you asked that question we 're going to cover that tonight and then here 's the fourth uh question the fourth uh, promise that he makes I will take you as my own people, and that 's next week and i 'm so excited about that. I hope you 'll make plans to be with us uh, because there's This is really huge, this fourth promise. But these are sequential promises. In in other words, if if we don't first understand, uh, we know the promise, we need to understand the promise, and then we need to pursue each of these promises. And if we don't understand, I'll bring you out, and that's all about salvation. Let's look at these again. The cup of sanctification is all about salvation. That's all God's deal. We're not responsible for that. All that we do is simply believe that promise, and it happens. It's not based on how good we are. It's not based on how bad we are. It's not based on anything that I have done in the past. It's all based on what Jesus Christ did on the cross through living his perfect life, his substitutionary and his sacrificial death on the cross, and then his resurrection from the dead. That's how we're saved by putting our faith in him and turning from our sins. That's the cup of sanctification, the first week that we talked about. And then the cup of deliverance, and that really just means freedom. Freedom from anything that is controlling us. Freedom, freedom from the controlling power of sin in our life. Free from, freedom from controlling substances in our life. Freedom from controlling emotions in our life. We talked about that in detail last week, just how God wants to do that in each of our lives. And then tonight, the cup of redemption. And that's all about restoration. And and what we learned through this, and I've said this a few times before, 87% of Christians never drink from this cup, never get past, and never even walk in the freedom that God intends for them to have. 87%. And as your pastor, as a shepherd, as someone who cares about you, I don't want the Valley family, anyone in the Valley family, to fall into that 87%. I know you want everything that God wants for you. When all is said and done, that everything will have been said and done in your life that God planned for you. And, and so, uh, we want to move through these, the cup of redemption, restoration tonight. And then next week, the cup of praise, cup of fulfillment. We'll talk about it in detail next week, what that is all about. But let's go back to Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. And this promise here that God makes that we're gonna look at tonight, this third promise, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. What is he talking about here? What does it redeem? You know, sometimes we, we kind of get, I don't know, there's, there's kind of like a religious layer that we put on that word. Uh, and, and then there's also kind of a, a practical lab, uh, uh, layer that we put on that word. I remember when i was a little kid 1970s about 10 years old 1977 star wars came out and and empire strikes back and all these things and i remember i was a big star wars nerd in fact i i heard they're coming out with a new movie in in december and i'm going to take a week of vacation but anyway uh (laughs) anyway uh, I, i remember one of the one of the things that they had was if you bought four star wars figures and i still have 20 original ones from 1977 in a very secret safe in my house and and but if you bought four and you cut off the proof of purchase and mailed them in they would send you the limited edition boba fett action figure this guy's got one still have one to this day and so what you had to do was redeem the proof of purchase four figures equaled one boba fett and i've got one and so that's what I think of a lot of times when I think of this word redeem. What does redeem really mean? Well, here are three, three definitions of what redeem really mean. Uh, right from Webster's. First, to buy back or to repurchase. To buy back or to repurchase. And you know, that's what, that's what Jesus did on the cross for you and me. He bought us back. He repurchased us. And you don't repurchase something. You don't buy something back unless it's of incredible value. We lost our relationship with God because of sin. Someone else had the title deed for our lives because of our sin. And Jesus showed up and he says, I want to buy him back. Well, how much is it worth to you? I'll give everything. I'll give my life. Redeemed to buy back, to repurchase. Second thing it means is to change for the better, to reform, to change for the better. That's, that, that's the thing about these four cups. See, so many of us, if we're really honest, we're actually living so far below God's best for our lives. We're like, we're doing all right, we're doing okay. But Jesus came to give you even better, to, to change the, the quality of our life to change the essence of our life, to change the passions of our life, not for less, for better. To reform, to bring back to the original purpose. And and here's the third definition, to repair or restore. To repair or restore. That's what redeem, redemption literally means. I I guess I'd put it this way, kind of summing all this up from a biblical definition based on scripture. Redemption means God empowers us to do what we were created to do all along. That's what redemption means. God empowers you and I to do what we were created to do all along. So that brings me to this question that I I think is an honest question. Why do so few drink from this cup? Why is it that so few of us no, this is the reason I'm alive today. This is the reason God, this is the unique purpose that God created me for. So few Christians know the answer to that, what that purpose really is. Why, why is that? L- let's look at it again, and I just want to break this down. Exodus 6:6. I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. The key is in those two things. With an outstretched arm, And with mighty acts of judgment. And and so, what is this outstretched arm about? Let's look at that first. What does he mean when he says, I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm? Well, for many of us, God has to stretch his arm out for us. You know why? Because we feel inferior. Because of inferiority. Because of what other people have said about us throughout our lives because of what we feel inside, so inferior, so insecure. God says, you're not living where it is I want you to live. You don't see yourself the way that I see you, so I'm going to stretch out my arm and pull you up and redeem you back to the purpose I created you for. That's powerful. That's what God wants to do in every one of our lives. He's saying, why are you living down there? Why are you living so far below? That's not the way I see you. I I see you as incredibly valuable, so valuable that I sent my son to die to redeem you. And so he says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, not to feel inferior any longer. Listen, I know a few things about inferiority. In fact, I know a lot about inferiority. In fact, if you look up inferiority in the dictionary, you'll see my picture right next to it. (laughs) I mean, that's how well-versed I am. I'm a master at inferiority. Let, let me just talk about myself. Maybe not you, but let me just talk about myself. Graduated from John Jay High School, 419 in my graduating class. I was 360 out of 419. Yeah, now all of a sudden you're like, is this the right church after all? <laughs> I was a solid... I mean, I, were, I was a solid C student in high school. <laughs> I worked hard to maintain that average. I mean, think about it. I, I, I think I did pretty good. 77, that was my average, 77, which is really incredible when you think I never brought home a book in four years. So I was able to retain 77% of what I learned just simply by right there in the classroom, nothing else. 77 average. Then I got to Bible college, and I got really serious. Went to Bible college. I'm studying God's word. First semester in Bible college, took the life of Christ. Got a D in the life of Christ. Now some of you are really like, all right, I'm hitting the door, man. I'm splitting this thing quick. Got a D. And literally, this beautiful blonde woman, young lady named Susie Warner that I fell in love with, she taught me how to study my sophomore year in college. I didn't even know how to study. I did end up with a 3.2 average cumulative over four years but, and gone on with, with graduate studies and doctoral studies <laughs> since then. But, but there's something inside. I just felt so inferior. M- most of what I did when I played football in high school, it was to prove I wasn't inferior. It was because I felt so self-conscious, so inadequate. I was like, I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna prove to everyone. And you know what? Whatever success that I had as, as a football player, it never changed that inferiority that I had inside. I'd been a Christian for a long time, since so I was a little boy. But I never drank from this third cup. It was much later than when I was a little boy. In fact, it was, I was still the pastor of this church. I was the pastor of this church. And then I began to drink from this third cup. God began to do some things. I began to allow him to do some things in my life because he redeemed me with an outstretched arm. He said, boy, that's not who I made you to be. I want you to start seeing yourself the way that I see you. And it changed my life. Changed my life. In Psalm 1835, it says, you have given me your salvation as my shield. Your right hand, O Lord, supports me. Your gentleness has made me great. Did you catch that? God wants to make you great with his outstretched arm, with his right hand. It doesn't matter what your, what your family says you are. It doesn't matter what your friends or your peer group says you are. It doesn't matter what your grade point average says you are. It doesn't matter what your past says you are. I want to redeem you with my outstretched arm and make you great. Great. Make you great at the purpose for which I created you for. Make you great. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it goes on and says, and I love this, this, boy, this is a refrigerator verse right here. This is one you want to commit to memory. This is one, parents, write it out, put it on their refrigerator, have your kids, especially as they get into those teen years, have them remember this, commit it to memory. For we are God's masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. God doesn't make junk. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Long ago. See, see, it wasn't like this. This is not the way it happens. People sometimes think about it. Okay, God's got a plan for my life. I'm born. All of a sudden, God goes, ooh, what am I gonna do with him? That's not the way it happens at all. God had a purpose god had a plan therefore he created you for that unique purpose and plan that he wanted to accomplish on planet earth in your generation we are god's masterpiece he has created us anew in christ jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago that's his outstretched arm what's this whole idea about mighty acts of judgment is, God, is that it? God's gonna judge us and that's how we're gonna get better? No, nope, that's not at all what this is really referring to. God is just like any other protective parent. He never hesitates to confront his kid's enemy. That's what these mighty acts of judgments are. I, what I like to call this is is really diversion. Diversion. So many of us have not allowed God to redeem us because we got diverted. We got off the path. We got off the plan that God had for us. We took a diversion. Something diverted our attention. We stopped looking at him. A- a- and, and we found ourselves in places we didn't wanna be. And we didn't know how to get out of where we were. I love in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. He says, we wanted very much to come to you. This is the Apostle Paul talking. Think about this. And I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. Paul says, we wanted to come to you, to Thessalonica, many, many times. We planned on it, but you know what? Satan prevented us from getting there. This word prevented is pretty interesting in the original language uh, of the New Testament, which is Greek. This word in, in Greek, prevented, it literally means to impede one's progress by putting something in the way. And, and that's what our enemy wants to do to us. Wants to slow down our progress, wants to throw all kinds of roadblocks and obstacles in our path so that we'll divert but we'll get off track. And God says, no, I'm going to bring strong judgment against your enemy. Doesn't matter how far off the track you've gotten. Here's an awesome thing about our Lord, that the Scripture tells us in Romans eleven twenty-nine. God's gifts and His call can never be withdrawn. He will never go back on His promises. Listen to me now. It doesn't matter how far you've gotten diverted off the path. God says, I still believe in you. I still want to keep my four promises to you. I still have a purpose for your life, and I want to fulfill it through your life. I want to redeem you. I want to restore you back to the original intention that I had for your life before you even took your first breath. What an awesome verse. God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. He will never ever go back on his promises. God will never change his mind about how he feels about you and how he feels about me. And anyone who understands that, when that begins to seep down in our hearts, just seep down there, you you know what? That that doesn't make me go live wild apart from God. That makes me just want to cuddle up as close to him as I possibly can get. That's what real love is. Real love, God knows everything about me He knows everything about you, and it doesn't change how much he loves us at all. Everything there is to know. He will never go back on his promises. And so let's look, we've looked at those two reasons why really it's it's so hard for us. We get diverted, also that inferiority. It's important that we recognize those things, those are keeping us from fulfilling God's plan and purpose for our life. So let's look a little bit closer at this cup of redemption. This cup of redemption. In Romans chapter, and this is all throughout the Bible, we're gonna look at a lot of it in the New Testament now. In Romans chapter 12, verse six, it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. That's what this third cup is about. This third cup is about recognizing that God has gifts, unique, special gifts, abilities that are God-given, for each and every one of us. And he has a purpose for them. He has a purpose. He's got a plan and he has a reason. He wants us to serve him with those gifts. Now, now, let me break this down a little bit. This word grace is an interesting word. We have different gifts. The gifts that God's given to me are not the same gifts he's given to you, but we all have them. In fact, it, it seems like to me, in my personal experience, most Christians have like two or three gifts. They're called spiritual gifts. That's what the Bible refers to them as spiritual gifts. And it's pretty interesting, according to the grace given to each of us. This word grace is the Greek word kairos. Kairos. It's where we get a word that you might hear sometimes, even in political processes, they'll say, well, that, that, that guy's a charismatic leader. He has charisma. That's this word in Greek. Charis, charis, where we get charismatic. We have different gifts according to the Charisma given to each one of us. Each Christian has a charisma, a gift, a grace, that God wants to pour out in your life to serve him, to better fulfill, to ultimately fulfill the plan and purpose for which he created you. And I know this word charisma, charismatic, has all kinds of baggage sometimes that's been attached to it. We've gotten so far off of what the Bible actually says about this. So much so much of the church today. And listen, I'm a card-carrying charismatic Christian. I grew up in the thing. My my dad's mentioned in the dictionary of Pentecostal charismatic movement. I know what this is all about. Your dad's not in there. My dad's in there. All right? (laughs) And and, and he'd tell you, there's so much that's just like, this this doesn't mean weird at all. You know what it means? Powerful to fulfill the unique purpose God created me for. That's what it means. This charos. This grace. And so 1 Corinthians 14.1 puts it this way. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. This is part of what it means to love God. We follow the way of love and what do we do? Eagerly desire to discover, God, what are the special giftings that you've given to me that are going to help me fulfill your unique plan for my life? What are those things? And, and that's really the first thing. When it comes to spiritual gifts, and maybe you're here today, and you don't, you're don't. you like, what is a spiritual gift? I don't know what mine is. We're gonna help you. We're gonna help everyone in the Valley family starting the first Sunday in June to discover what your unique spiritual gifts are, and we're never gonna stop doing it. We, we've kind of done it to a degree, hit or miss, but, but I am so excited about what we're going to be introducing to the whole Valley family. A way, in four steps, really, that you can discover. This is what God has uniquely gifted me, this spiritual gift. That's the first thing. You have to discover the gift. You have to discover the gift. Look at what King David said in Psalm 139, the Old Testament. I love this. He said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship, I love that. It's like craftsmanship. Just like we looked at before. But the New Testament says we're God's masterpiece. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. Now, now don't miss this. David's not all hung up on himself. When he looks at himself, David's all hung up on God as we all should be because he doesn't make junk. And so, Let me put it this way, if you take notes, you may wanna write this down, I don't have this on the screen, but your design will reveal your destiny. How you're made points to what you're supposed to do. Let me say that again. Your design will reveal your destiny. How you are made points to what you're supposed to do. I, I struggled a long time in my life because God made me five foot eight and three quarters. Five foot in fact some of you <laughs> you're in Poughkeepsie right now and you're watching this and you're like, wait a minute, he's short, you know, because my head is fifteen feet on the screen. I get that. And and people go to Poughkeepsie first and then they come down here to hope and we're like, you're the guy on the screen? Yeah, little old me, you know. Five foot eight and three quarters. I can't tell you, when I was playing high school football, which was my dream for my life, was to play college football, how many college scouts came up to my head coach and my father after games and said, if your son was only six foot tall. And I couldn't do anything about that. I have a brother who's six foot three. About as athletic as a noodle. I mean, just just absolutely nothing. And they say, if you're only six foot tall, boy, we'd love for your son to come play for us. But I was 5'8 and 3 quarters. And please don't sell me short of that 3 quarters. It's <laughs> was almost 5 foot 9. You're, but you know what? My design revealed my destiny. If I was six foot, I wouldn't be here. My life would have taken a very different direction and path. So God, when he was knitting me together, he said, let's just put a ceiling on that boy at five foot eight and three quarters. How you're made points to what you're supposed to do. In Ephesians chapter one, verses 11 and 12, puts it this way. It is in Christ, and and I talked about this in our first message in this series, just in terms of introduction. I wanna go back to it again. It is in Christ that we find out who we are. And what we're living for. See, this is the whole thing. It starts with the first cup. It starts with salvation. We'll never really know who we are until we receive Christ as our Savior. It's in Christ we find out who we really are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. And it goes on and it says, Part of the overall purpose, he's working out in everything and everyone. He was watching us, took notice of uh, before we ever thought about him at all. And I've got a lot of verses. I, I had to just kind of keep this uh, pinned down a little bit or else I'd go long, long, long. But, but here's another in Colossians chapter one, verse 16, this, this whole idea of discovering our gifts, why it's so important that we discover the gifts God's given to us. Colossians chapter one, verse 16, says, for everything, absolutely everything, that means you and me too, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. And, and so maybe you're, you're here today and you're saying, you know, well, Greg, I, I, I feel like I'm doing all right. I, I feel a, a certain measure of fulfillment and, and I'm not all into that whole Jesus stuff. Let me just say this. I'm glad you feel a measure of fulfillment but you ain't experienced nothing yet because everything, that includes you, that includes me and everyone, everything above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Everything, that's you and me. So we need to discover our gifts. And here's the second thing we need to do. We need to develop our gifts. We need to develop our gifts. And, and so when I was in college, I recognized God gave me a gift uh, that, that I could communicate, that, that I could teach, that I could preach. And, and so you know what? The last almost 30 years of my life, 29 years of my life, have been refining that and, and disciplining myself and, and learning how to really develop that gift. Because the fact about the matter is, my personality, I'm an introvert. I am not like a woo kind of person at all. I, I'm really a very shy, introverted person. I got beat up every single day when I was in sixth grade. That really affected how I saw myself for, for 10, almost 20 years later. And, and I'm just kind of like a mm, by myself. There, there are times staff will tell you, I walk into my office, I won't walk out to the end of the day. Walking in the morning, it was, I just, just by myself, I'm fine. Left of my own, I could stay at my house for three weeks, not even going out to check the mail. I'd be totally fine. No one else. My wife is like three hours, I gotta get out of here. Very different. <laughs> Opposites track. But, but we, it's not enough just to discover our gift, we have to also develop it. And that takes some time. That takes some time. Doesn't happen overnight. But look at Ephesians chapter four, verse seven, and I think this is, this is why it's such a passion point for me. Ephesians chapter four, verse seven, and verses 11 and 12, look at what it says. But, each, but to each of, each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. And then it goes into verses 11 and 12. And this is the purpose for, for, for ministers. This is why we exist. This is why I, this is my job description. Look at what it is. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to do all the work and everyone else watch them. That's not my job description. What is my job description? To equip his people for works of service. That's that's why every single one of these was given to the church. We call this the five-fold ministry. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists were given to the church of Jesus Christ. Christ gave them. He apportioned them. Why? To equip everyone else in the body of Christ for works of service. What does that mean? We all have gifts, spiritual gifts that God wants us to use for his glory and serving others. And so, as I said, we're gonna be rolling this out uh, starting in June. I wanna give you a quick preview now uh, of what we're calling growth track. And if we just put this up, it's four different classes that we're launching in June. It's gonna be every four weekends. Weekend, first weekend of the month, second weekend of the month, third weekend of the month, fourth weekend of the month. And, And the first one is about, we're calling it Church 101. That's where you just learn about what is Valley Christian Church. Second one is essentials. This is about essentials of the Christian faith so that we all understand those discovery 301 watch this now it's going to be pretty cool what i point out here in just a second discovery 301 is where we actually have assessments and 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 uh, uh almost like tests if you will although no no one fails them questionnaire is more like it where, where you you'll answer these questions and when you come out of there you're going to know what your spiritual gifts are how rocking is that so so you'll discover your personality type your passions and your spiritual gifts in Discovery 301 in one hour time. Pretty awesome. Well, what's Dream Team about? That is about then giving you an opportunity where that plugs into the big picture, the winning team called Valley Christian Church. Where to serve, where you're gonna ultimately find fulfillment. And watch what this is really cool about this. Maybe you're already there. Each one of these coincides with the first cup, the second cup, The third cup and the fourth cup the four cups these four promises we're not just gonna talk about them we want every single person in the Valley family we're even working on this for our teenagers as well we want every single person in the Valley family not to stop in the 87% where most Christians do that they learn about their local church and then they learn something about doctrine we want you to be experiencing all four cups all four promises in your life. So you're gonna be hearing more about that in the weeks to come. But right now, here's the third thing that we need to understand about spiritual gifts. We need to discover them, we need to develop them, and then we need to use these gifts. We need to use these gifts. It, it, it's not enough just to know what it is. Can you imagine if, if, I, if I discovered that I had a gift of teaching, but I never taught? What glory would that bring to God? God. How would that honor him? How would that impact anyone else if I just kept to myself and I never did anything with it? You know where I cut my teeth on teaching? It was with teenagers. I've heard it said before, if you can hold the attention of a 7th grader for 30 minutes, you can teach to anybody, anywhere. It's truth. And by the way, that's kind of how I try to teach every Sunday morning, 7th grade level, so that everyone can understand. Sure, I can teach the mighty things of God. <laughs> I've got two doctorate degrees. I know how to talk like that and really impress you, but it's not gonna help you on Monday. And, and so we need to use our gifts in a way that glorifies God, that helps others. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 puts it this way. God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you we need to manage well the spiritual gifts that God has given to us to impact other people to impact other people it's so important then the last verse I want to look at today is Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 it says God is not unjust and this is so important he'll not forget your work and the love that you have shown him, watch this now, as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Do you know the number one way that we show we love God? By helping others. God says, when you help others, you show you love me. You don't just say it, you show it. See, see God's all into and it's so important reading the scripture during the week in our own private time prayer worship ultimate worship however is when we help others that's how we show god how much we love him we have helped people and continue to help them and it says god's not going to forget that god notices that and i'm so conscious of that do you know here at valley christian church we have almost 300 volunteers every single weekend 300 people just on one given weekend that make happen what happens here. I'm so thankful. And and, and I appreciate every volunteer that we have on the dream team here. But you know what? More than me, God sees it. God says, I'll never forget it. You did that to me. You were helping me. You were showing me how much you love me when you were helping someone else. Let me give you this little preview next week. Cup number four, I wanna dangle a carrot, here it is. My real purpose is to serve God by serving others. That's the ultimate fourth cup. That's what it's all about. When I begin to drink of that cup, I know what my spiritual gift is, he's redeemed me. And now I use it to serve him by serving others. I'm gonna ask right now let's bow our heads and pray Heavenly Father Lord we thank you so much for designing us for a purpose long before our lives began and long before time began thank you for the gifts that you have given to us to serve you and God I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we could see ourselves the way that you see us give us wisdom Lord Wisdom to discover, to develop, and to live out the redemptive plan that you have for each and every one of our lives. Father, we give you our lives. We give you our talents. We give you our gifts. And we give you our abilities, wholly and completely to you. In Jesus' name, amen.